What's going on, family? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I'm your man, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys have had an amazing weekend. I hope Memorial Day weekend was fantastic for you. A side note, one day I might do a behind-the-scenes look at all that it takes to bring you The Faction. Most of you likely don't know what it takes to do this, and I will just tell you, <laughs> it's been a journey uh, getting you this episode. So I really hope that you guys find this episode to be nothing short of fantastic because we've worked really, really hard to get it to you. With that said, thank you for your continued support of all things connected to the faction. We've been away for a little bit. I've been on a bit of a vacation, just trying to rest and recoup. And I'm certainly believing for the rest of this year to be pretty incredible uh, given all that is on the way. So thank you for your continued support. For all of you who follow us on the socials, thank you so much at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Shouts to you who are subscribed to our podcast as well and all the places that you can catch us. Thank you so much. If you're not subscribed, if you're not following us, Simply do that. Doesn't cost you anything to do, but it will allow you to be connected to us as we continue to drop new content on a regular basis. And we are getting back to our normal schedule. So I hope that you guys will certainly hang out with us for the ride because we've got an incredible ride for you. One other thing to mention, in case you did not know, uh, I hope you will take some time to support the new merch line on Pro Wrestling Tees. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com. I've got a store there with my own merch, and the first line is called Bet on You. It is my mantra both in and out of the ring. What would happen if you took all of your time, energy, and effort and believed in the natural God-given talents that you have? What would happen if you took the time that you've been taking to bet on everybody else and to believe about everybody else? What if you took that to actually bet on you? That's the challenge. That's the beautiful moment of this entire movement that we're calling Bet On You. You can get the t-shirt right now at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfide. You can get it in black and in military green. People have really been loving the military green, which has been a fun, fun surprise. I've been enjoying that. And so you'll be seeing more of the shirts more often. We've got lots of people who have been ordering already, which I am just overjoyed about. So make sure you get your shirt right now at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. Now that we have all that out of the way, I want to make sure we spend some time to dedicate to AEW's Double or Nothing pay-per-view recap. The pay-per-view took place this past Sunday, so this episode is going to spend a lot of time on that. So if you did not watch the pay-per-view and you do not want spoilers, you may want to hit pause on this episode, go watch the pay-per-view, and then come back and then check it out. Other than that, let's get into it. All right, let's start with this. We'll start, first of all, with an interesting piece of news that's not AEW related. I know, I just told you the episode was going to be heavy AEW, but this has a connection. As WWE has a pay-per-view scheduled for 4th of July weekend, July the 2nd specifically, where the Money in the Bank pay-per-view was scheduled to happen at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, the same place that SummerSlam took place last year, the first major giant pay-per-view in a stadium that WWE did post-lockdown. Well, by now you have heard that that pay-per-view is now being moved to the smaller and dangerously said last night, more intimate venue called MGM Grand. MGM Grand happens to be the original home of AEW Double or Nothing 2019. Interesting how that happens. 
So how did we get here? Seems pretty simple, actually. It's called ticket sales or the lack thereof. Now, I got to tell you, I don't think that fans, when they think of the major pay-per-views from WWE, consider Money in the Bank in that. They consider SummerSlam. They consider Survivor Series, the Royal Rumble, and, of course, WrestleMania. Those are all, for the most part, stadium shows, with the exception now of Survivor Series, which is still an arena show. Money in the Bank, WWE has tried to create as its fifth major pay-per-view. But I don't think that the fans are buying it, hence them not buying the tickets to be able to sell out Allegiant Stadium. Interestingly enough, they had also said that the winner of this year's Money in the Bank would get a ticket to WrestleMania. Will that still be the case or will it be the traditional Money in the Bank as we have known and loved for years? I don't know. Time will tell. But with that said, I did think it was a little weird that they would try to do two stadium shows in the States within a 30-day period, as on July the 30th is SummerSlam in a stadium show playing at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, where the Tennessee Titans play. So this is all getting really, really interesting, and I'm intrigued to hear what your thoughts are on Money in the Bank moving from the larger venue of Allegiant Stadium to the MGM Grand, the former home of AEW Double or Nothing. So, the other thing I heard, which I thought was interesting, was that WWE rented a bus to run in Vegas during Double or Nothing weekend to promote, of course, Money in the Bank with Cody Rhodes' picture on it. Kind of brilliant or petty. I don't know. You can determine that on your own. Be that as it may, it's time to jump into... Double or nothing. Let's go through the results and then we'll give our thoughts on this year's pay-per-view from AEW. It kicked off with the buy-in. The team of Hookhausen, that is Danhausen and Hook, defeated Tony Nese and Mark Sterling. Then we get to the pay-per-view itself. Wardlow defeats MJF. The Hardys defeat the Young Bucks. Jade Cargill successfully defends a TBS championship against Anna Jay. Then from there, the House of Black defeats Death Triangle in a trios match. Then we had the finals for the Owen Hart Tournament. On the men's side, Adam Cole gives Samoa Joe his first loss in AEW by winning the tournament. On the women's side, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defeats Ruby Soho to win the Women's Owen Hart Tournament. Six-person tag saw Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and Paige Van Zant defeat Sammy Guevara, Frankie Kazarian, and Ty Conti. Kyle O'Reilly defeats Darby Allen. Thunder Rosa successfully defends the Women's World Championship against Serena Deeb. The Jericho Appreciation Society defeats Eddie Kingston, Santana, Ortiz, Brian Danielson, and John Moxley in Anarchy in the Arena. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus successfully defend the AEW Tag Titles against Team Taz and Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. And in the main event, we've got a new AEW World Champion as CM Punk defeats Hang man Adam Page to win his first AEW World Championship. Now then, let's dig into Double or Nothing. I will start by saying this. One of the things that AEW historically and traditionally does well is pay-per-view. One of the things that I think that really works for them is that they don't have a pay-per-view a month. Instead, they give us a pay-per-view four times a year. So that makes pay-per-view special. In the process of them doing that, they also have stretched our expectations and attention span for a pay-per-view. 
in the world of WWE, we're used to a two and a half to three hour pay-per-view, but these quarterly pay-per-views from AEW run four hours. With that said, I think we were mostly prepared for a four-hour pay-per-view. Instead, we got a four-and-a-half to five-hour pay-per-view. If you are counting the start of the buy-in at 7 p.m. to the end of the pay-per-view, which was roughly 12.30, it's five-and-a-half hours. AEW asked us to invest five-and-a-half hours in this show. I think that's a mistake. I don't think that's a good thing. I think you can take your audience for granted when you do things like this and you don't necessarily give them something that is fully worth five and a half hours of your attention. And even if it's the most amazing show ever, five and a half hours on a pay-per-view is a lot to ask. It's the reason why New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom went from six hours in one day to basically three to four over two days. It's why WrestleMania went from a six-hour event or almost seven and a half hour, depending upon how you count, for WrestleMania 35 to now moving it to a two-day situation where we split that up over two days. I think AEW is going to have to figure out how to time their pay-per-views better. Because five and a half hours is a long, long time. Personally, I think they could have probably cut at least two or three of these matches, had these matches happen on Dynamite or Rampage, and you fix this particular problem. <sighs> so, this could be a case of them trying to pile too much in too soon. I think that's the case, and I think that's one of the things that may double or nothing uh, not live up to what it could. One of the other things that I think happened that made this a challenge is that it didn't really start off right. It's just kind of felt like to me the musician or the artist who hits a wrong note to start the show and then they can't quite find their footing. Or when I go to a restaurant and my first encounter with someone there is not good, it usually causes the entire event to dovetail where they can't quite recover. I think that's what happened here with AEW. And here's the thing. There were just some sloppy moments. There were moments that became very dangerous. And part of me wonders if that has to do with how the pay-per-view started. And I'm referencing MJF. We're going to get into the MJF controversy when we return. Southern Honor Wrestling is now on IWTV. Relive the biggest moments and memories from SHW's historic first year. I'm in Dallas Vegas here at Southern Honor Wrestling. What Jericho is here and can't watch out is going on. Oh my god! Give me Omega! Oh man! Over you! Oh! Logan Green! Just put Corey Hollis through the ring! Oh! Oh! Man. He just dropped he right down across put the windshield. The windshield. And he's through the windshield! And That's it! Ring the bell! He put him through the windshield! And hold your forks because we're just getting started. Don't miss another second of SHW, the fastest growing independent promotion in the Southeast. Check out Southern Honor Wrestling now at independentwrestling.tv. New subscribers use promo code SHW to get five free days. SHW, this is our wrestling. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? 
Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here for a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a them, so in case you haven't heard, there is definitely controversy surrounding MJF. Maxwell Jacob Friedman has been in an interesting contract dispute with AEW. In fact, there was concern over whether or not this match with Wardlow would actually happen. Apparently over the weekend, MJF no-showed several meet-and-greets. It was rumored that he had actually purchased a flight to head back to the East Coast and skip out on Double or Nothing altogether. And during the media scrum, when Tony Khan was asked about MJF, he basically gave them a no comment. Didn't want to talk about it. There are some very serious issues happening between MJF and AEW. MJF feels like he has over and outperformed his current contract, and so it should be renegotiated. I think it's interesting. I'm also very interested in seeing what the internet community thinks about MJF and AEW in light of Sasha Banks and Naomi in WWE. I probably should dedicate a separate episode to that, and I think I will just know that it's interesting that both companies had these two major issues going on with two of their significant performers or two from WWE, one from AEW. With that said, I think that had a profound effect on the MJF Wardlow match, which was ultimately a squash. MJF really did not get a single offensive maneuver in. And it's rumored that once he was taken backstage, he left the arena. He was gone. Definitely, definitely some real issues happening in AEW surrounding MJF. Some other thoughts on this pay-per-view. 
<sighs> the Hardys and the Young Bucks, a match that happened back in 2017 in Orlando, right before the Hardys made their decision to come to WWE and premiered at WrestleMania. It's clear that the 2022 version of this is not the 2017 version. The Hardys have aged, and it sounds cruel and mean to say, but watching Matt and Jeff in there against the Young Bucks, who are still very much in their prime, was scary, was sad. And I got to say, I'm about ready for the Hardys experiment to be over. I don't want to have a bunch of footage on the Hardys that shows them less than being who we've always remembered them to be. I want them to be able to walk with their kids and enjoy the rest of their lives. I don't like this idea that the Hardys are competing on an elite level against the Young Bucks in any other way other than being elite. And right now, they don't feel elite. I feel like it'd be wrong to put them in a tag team title opportunity. I just think we need to end this experiment. And I don't want to sound cruel. I'm a massive Hardys fan. But it's very clear that they were not prepared to be in the ring with the Young Bucks. It was just super, super clear. And that is pretty unfortunate, to say the least. I want to talk about uh, a couple of matches that I thought were really, really good. House of Black versus Death Triangle. That was pretty amazing. Like, those six guys, they gave us everything we needed and then some. I thought it was amazing. Let's also talk about the world title match uh, between Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb. You know, the last time these two fought in a major situation was back around August, September 2020 during the pandemic era where Serena Deeb was the NWA Women's Champion and Thunder Rosa was competing for that championship. I love these two. These two really embody greatness in women's wrestling and they are necessary in AEW's growing women's division. These two I could afford to watch over and over and over again. They are really the epitome of what the AEW women's division could be. And I liked every bit of this. Speaking of the AEW women's division, I know at times people give AEW a really, really hard time about how they treat their women's division. Let it be known that on this pay-per-view, there were three separate women's matches. This match, the women's Owen Hart final, which I thought Dr. Britt Baker DMD versus Ruby Soho, that match was treated like a big match. I mean, the musical entrances, which by the way, Rich Ward of Fozzie playing out Dr. Britt Baker's entrance was amazing. What many of you may not know is Rich Ward actually works at SHW. He's located here in the Atlanta area. He helps run sound for us at SHW. And so it's pretty awesome when you whenever we see an SHW connection visibly to AEW. So shout out to Rich Ward and all he's doing with Fozzie. The flip side is to have Rancid play Ruby Soho's theme song. Absolutely amazing, massive entrances for both of them. Great, great match. I will say this, my only issue with the Owen Hart tournament is where do we go with it from here? I love that they were presented belts. I love that they were presented a trophy. But what does it mean? A tournament, I believe, in the world of wrestling has to mean something. When you win the G1 Climax tournament in New Japan, you now main event Wrestle Kingdom. If you win the best of the Super Juniors, that tournament's happening right now, you get a shot at the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Like, there needs to be something. I don't know what the something is 
outside of the pretty belt and the wonderful speech from Dr. Martha Hart. So that needs to be made clear. Do Dr. Britt Baker and Adam Cole now catapult up to the number one contender spot for a championship? Seems like it would make sense. I don't know. So that's still unclear relative to that. Speaking of a women's championship, the TBS title, Jade Cargill versus Anna Jay. Did Jade Cargill absolutely deserve to be on this pay-per-view? Of course she did. Don't think it was her best match. I don't think that there's great chemistry between Jade and Anna Jay. And uh, I will say the things that saved this match had nothing to do with either of them. Instead, it was the entrance of Stokely Hathaway, who we know was just released from NXT about a month or so ago. He's now in AEW. Having him with Jade Cargill and the baddies makes a lot of sense. I love this move. I equally love the debut of Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon. Athena potentially challenging Jade Cargill. That's a match I want to see. Someone with great experience challenging the new champion. I love, love, love this. Now, I just don't want to see the match on Dynamite this week. I don't want to see it on Rampage this week. Give Athena an opportunity to work her way through the division to lead us to a TBS championship match or to a world championship match. I think that would be amazing, but I definitely like the look of Athena and Stokely in AEW, and I like the announcement of Roosh, former Ring of Honor champion now being signed to AEW, teaming with the newly married Andrade. Shout out to Andrade and Charlotte Flair, who are now married. I'm very excited for them. I love love. I love seeing marriage in wrestling, and I really wish them nothing but the best. And hopefully, this turns around the fortunes for Andrade, who I believe has spent the last year in AEW floundering, dare I say, worse than he did in WWE. So hopefully this turns some things around for him and puts him on the trajectory where he belongs. Andrade absolutely should be the next TNT champion. Give him a chance to work towards it. Make it happen. I think it would be absolutely amazing. Okay, so by and large, when we talk about this pay-per-view, oh, a couple of other things I really liked, I got to mention. The tag title match, I loved it. I certainly thought that either Team Taz or Swerve in Our Glory should absolutely have won that title match. Either of those teams are really hitting well, and I think it's not long before we see either of those teams as your tag team champions. Both of them are teams that I didn't think were likely teams that have gelled super well, and this proved to be a great, great tag team match. Now, with that said, it's very clear to me that Jungle Boy is the Shawn Michaels of that tag team. I still don't believe in Luchasaurus. I'm sorry. I want to, but Jungle Boy is the star. Jungle Boy has to have a breakout year as a solo competitor because him being in the tag team division, he's absolutely the star of this tag team. There's no doubt about it. But I'm game. I'm ready for a Team Taz or Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland tag team title reign. Either one would absolutely work for me. Now to the anarchy in the arena match, which was just pure chaos. And it was. It was chaos on top of chaos on top of chaos, which some people really, really liked it. Matter of fact, CBS Sports gave it an A+. I thought it was a crazy match. It was all over the place. It was wild. It was different, et cetera, et cetera. Wasn't my favorite match, but it was a wild one, no doubt. And I wonder where things end up going between Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston as it was their breakdown that ultimately caused this match to go in the favor 
of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Last but not least, CM Punk is your new world champion. It's the only move that made sense. The last year, CM Punk has literally pulled the ratings for AEW, and almost a year after his debut, he is still the one we want to watch on AEW television. It only makes sense that he now becomes the world champion. I actually like his trajectory to the world title. I'm glad they didn't stick him in the world title picture to start, but they gave him almost a year to show that he still got it, to prove himself. I love every bit of it. And I'll tell you this, I still have a hard time believing Adam Page as the AEW world champion right now. Sounds cruel, sounds mean, I don't mean to, but he just doesn't have that superstar caliber where he can carry a company, at least not yet. So maybe that'll happen over time. But CM Punk as your world champion makes a lot of sense. I'm interested in where this title reign goes. It could go a lot of places. We can determine whether or not Hangman was wrong or was Hangman just a bit insecure. I don't know. Either way, that's a look at this pay-per-view. It was not my favorite AEW pay-per-view, and I usually am a big fan of AEW and pay-per-view. I think it was too long, unfortunately. I think it didn't hit the way that it should have. We probably could have done without some of the matches on this one, but I do think it's worth a second watch. In fact, I watched it twice just to make sure that my opinion wasn't completely skewed because it was such a long pay-per-view. What are your thoughts on AEW Double or Nothing? Let us know on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. All right, that's a wrap. Remember, I think we're going to be doing a separate show on these contract issues surrounding MJF and AEW and the latest on Sasha and Naomi and the WWE. Remember, you can also get your latest gear from our merch store by going to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied, where you can begin to bet on you. Totally grab one of these shirts. I'm loving what I'm seeing and hearing from everyone who has one so far. And uh, yeah, just thanks for rocking with us, guys. We absolutely appreciate it. And there's more to come. In fact, we have a fan request that I'm going to work on over these next couple of days because we've been asked to rate our favorite Hell in a Cell matches. Now, they want 50 of them. I'm not going to promise you 50. We might give you top five or top 10. We'll give you the best that we can. But yeah, we'll be talking Hell in a Cell leading into the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view this weekend. And don't forget that NXT has an In Your House event this Saturday as well. So it's going to be another weekend filled with wrestling. We've got all of it for you here on The Faction. So until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, the EP, John Murray. My name's Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. <laughs>